All right, here we are, episode two of the Basement Sports and Entertainment Podcast. I am your host, Jordy Duraniak, and today we're going to have a Big Ten preview, as I mentioned at the end of the last episode, and I'm pretty excited for it just because I've, I've grown up in Big Ten territory, unfortunately having Michigan to root for, and it gives me an opportunity to talk shit about Harbaugh, so I'm excited about that. That'll be fun. But before we get into that, on Monday I mentioned that the Indianapolis Colts were a team who couldn't afford to have bad news, which they got in the form of Carson Wentz being out 5-12 to 12 weeks with a foot injury. Well, his teammate left guard Quentin Nelson just so happened to get the exact same injury and will be out the same amount of time, 5 to 12 weeks. Just holy shit, how does that happen? That's that's ridiculous. And as far as their search for a, a replacement, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Nick Foles came out and said he'd be open to coming... Uh, or signing with the Colts and playing with Frank Reich again, which I I mean I if that's their best option, just damn yeah that's it's not good. But also it's better news. Philip Rivers said he do, hasn't shut the door entirely on on being hasn't shut the door entirely on his career yet. So maybe they can get him to come back and play for them if they could. That would be huge. However, it makes things interesting with Carson Wentz when he returns because they brought him in to be, try to be the starter. Although if they did bring in Rivers, it would just be for one season. It, it's, just, uh, it's just a very, very different way of uh, this offseason panning out for them than they expect and a lot of us expected. So, yeah. All right, now I'm going to go into the Big Ten preview, and you're going to notice a couple things in, as I talk here. First is going to be how simple and boring a lot of Big Ten offenses are, and the other one is, other thing is going to be how, again, how much I like enjoying, or how much I enjoy ripping on Jim Harbaugh. And then the third thing is going to be uh, how much I hate Ohio State. Fuck Ohio State. I, I, I don't like them. It, it sucks seeing them dominate the Big Ten year after year. It really does. And then they always get to end the regular season by just walking all over Michigan. It's, it's just tragic. Just, yeah. Yeah, I, I hate watching it. And... Heading into this season, I do not, I don't think anyone's going to knock them off, but it's not going to be nearly as easy as a path, easy of a path as what Clemson has in the ACC. I think Ohio State is actually going to have to, they're going to have to actually t uh, show what they're made of. It's not going to be a cakewalk type of schedule. Week two, they get a big game at home against Oregon. They get the Ducks coming into Columbus, and that is a game I definitely think they win, but it's a game against a one of the best teams from the Pac-12 in Week 2, and they got a new quarterback in C.J. Stroud. 
because Justin Fields left for the NFL after last season after a great career. And C.J. Stroud should be another great Ohio State quarterback. It will only be his second career start, though. But I I think with what is around him, I don't think that's going to matter because he has three offensive linemen coming back. Thayer Munford in particular is incredible. Among, uh, oh, I didn't get his grade, but he was very highly graded on PFF system amongst offensive linemen very highly. It was in the top 10, I remember for sure. And then Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson at wide receiver. Two incredible wide receivers right there that they have. Chris Olave shocked a lot of people by coming back this season. Many thought he'd go to the NFL after last season, but for him it actually probably will uh, pan out for him that he decided to come back just because last year's class was so loaded and he probably would have ended up going. It's just simple. He would have went later last season than he would in this year's class, which means if he goes higher in this year's class, he means he's going to get more money, and obviously you want to get more money. Um, yeah, so having Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, that is just, that, that's just, that's just a great start to have. It really is. They have five starters on defense coming back. We'll see what kind of year it is, uh, for them. They, they didn't have, they weren't always great last season on defense. For example, the national championship game. They were crushed by Alabama, 52-24. Granted, they did beat Clemson 49-28, but I also think it's worth mentioning for that game, Clemson was out without their offensive coordinator and play caller, Tony Elliott. But again, they, they gave up 52 points in the national title game, and they just got smoked in that game. So while they are elite something needs to get better something needs to be done a little bit differently just because obviously they want to be back in that position but they want to be able to actually win it and not be in a position where they get just run the fuck over like they did this season i enjoyed it i really did it was great to watch but uh, for Ohio State, obviously, that wasn't great for them to watch, and they want to improve on that. And headed into this season, uh, pro football focus, and as far as their Big Ten ranks, they ranked Ohio State's receivers first, offensive line first, defensive line first, and their secondary seventh. And it's not surprising to see that at all, considering their last four recruiting classes uh, so they, from 2021 to the 2018 class, have ranked as follows. Second, fifth, 14th, second. So, yeah, they, the, I mean, anyone who knows college football knows Ohio State recruits at a very high level, and they develop their players. That is what they do. And it's what I would love to see Michigan start doing. But, again, that's, I'll get into that later. Um... Ohio State this last season. Oh, I, let me get back in their schedule. I said I do think they beat Oregon, but there is another game that I should have mentioned is they play at Indiana. That is going to be huge because last season when they hosted the Hoosiers, they they were in for a battle. They only won 42 to 35. 
and that Indiana team, as I'll get into more, they got a lot of pieces coming back, and that team should be able to challenge Ohio State again when they play. But this time being on the road, maybe Indiana can pull it off. However, it's not likely because it's Ohio State. But there is a potential that Indiana could pull off that upset. But the thing about that, though, is if Indiana does pull off that upset, will they take advantage of it and be able to prevent Ohio State from winning a division? That's a huge, huge thing to ask of them. I... I, I w- would like to think it's going to happen, but Ohio State is very likely going to end the season Big Ten champions and in the college football playoff again. And it's unfortunate just because, not just because it's Ohio State and I hate them, but because we really do have this monopoly in college football on the teams who actually can compete for national titles and actually appear. I mean, the college football playoff era has been very much the same teams it's very much so just Alabama Clemson Ohio State Oklahoma and Notre Dame those are the ones you've seen almost every year and it's it's just tragic we need we need to get more other programs going and I don't think this is the year that the Big Ten will send somebody else to a uh, Big Ten title or even or a Big Ten title let alone a college football playoff. I don't think it happens. And I, and that's another thing. This defense, I want to mention, they got one of the best defensive linemen in the country coming back. He ranked eight, he graded as the eighth best defensive lineman in PFF system, and that's Haskell Garrett. That is a huge thing to have coming back for them. And they also get two stud five-star defensive ends coming in in Jack Sawyer and JT Tuimoloau. I believe I said that right. And that, again, just loads up a defensive line that we see is always great every year. And Ohio State, again, they're just they're so t- too talented and well-coached is the reason that they're likely going to just win it again in the Big Ten. It's, yeah. And let's break down that offense and team a little bit further before we move on from Ohio State. Last season, an EPA per pass play, they had 0.282, which ranked 11th, so really good. And EPA per run was 0.150, fifth. Really good, great. And so obviously it's like, well... Those are good numbers. What can they, I mean, what do they really have to improve? What should they improve? Because, again, they were really good, and they made it to the national championship, so obviously they did plenty of things right. But, again, they also only scored 24 against Alabama and gave up 52, so something something needs to change. And I think I see where they can make some differences they are 43rd in play action percentage, 33.9%, 91st in screen percentage at 10.7%, and 15.2% in, uh, in deep pass percentage, which ranks 85th. And you're, you're, you're probably going to hear me say this a lot as this podcast goes on, 
But you can never have too much play action. Use the shit out of play action. Do it. And 43rd just isn't going to cut. And especially for a team that can run the ball really well, it just makes more sen- even more sense to use more play action. It, it just adds that layer of deception for the defense, and that's really something that you want to do. And then screens, I'm not, I mean, screens you want to use a good amount just because it's a quick, fast way for your QB to get the ball out and avoid pressure. But, and I, I'm, not, I'm not advocating for it be like super heavy on screens. You don't need to be Clemson, like six highest in the country, but only 10 or almost only near 11%, 91st in the country. You need to crank that up, get those numbers up, 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 up. That won't cut it. And their deep pass percentage at only 15.2, that's 85th. That's not going to cut it either. And that's another thing that play action can do well, is play action can help you throw it to the intermediate and deep areas better just because it, again, gets the defense to bite and uh, react to something that stalls them real quick. And then they're, re- then they're adjusting to the pass play. And using play action can be a great way to take advantage of that and get the ball again to a deeper or intermediate area of the field. And Ohio State, I think if they did more of those things, increased percentages in those areas, I think they could elevate the already talented roster they have and go even further with it. They really could. And that is something I would rather not see them do, but obviously for them, it's what they should do. And as I mentioned earlier, Indiana might be able to challenge Ohio State. I'm going to get into them now. Last season, their only regular season loss was on the road to Ohio State, and then they lost their bowl game, the Outback Bowl to Ole Miss, 26-20. So Indiana had a pretty good year. They, They looked a lot better. Tom Allen's doing great things, and he actually, through his first four years, has won 24 games, the most by an Indiana head coach ever, which is great. And their defense, actually, I didn't realize what how good their defense was, and particularly their scoring defense, which is the biggest thing that matters. Scoring defense matters more than the yardage, obviously. If you're horrible in yardage, that's not good, but... If you can prevent teams from scoring, that's that's what's best. And their scoring defense was tied for 19th in the country at 20.2 points per game. So they were doing great things there. And But here is one thing. Their pass defense was 75th, allowing 241 yards per game. Now, because they didn't play as many games if they played, I think if they played another four or five games like they would have, that probably would have ranked higher, but... Still, uh, I think they're I think they're gonna be better off with a full schedule, and that's the thing I want to. Br- they only return five on that defense, though. They only return five starters on that defense. However, in terms of PFF ranks, their secondary ranks first. But this is the biggest problem for Indiana, and the biggest reason why. One of the biggest reason why I will say it's not going to happen for them beating Ohio State is they're very, very weak in the trenches. Their offensive line ranks 14th head in the season, 
defensive line, 11th. And they do return all five starters on their offensive line, which is obviously good. But it was a shitty offensive line, so... Again, we're going to have to see, can they make major strides? Can they actually do things to give their quarterback, Michael Penix Jr., some time? Because he is actually a really good quarterback, and he's the reason they were looking so good before his injury. And I think if they could give him protection, they they have, if they can give him protection and their scoring defense can play show up again, this Indiana team has the definite makings of a Big Ten title team. But, I, again, those are two ifs right there, and they're pretty big ifs. I don't want to rely on it. I, I can't do that. And their schedule isn't as fortunate as it could be. While they do get to host Ohio State, <clears throat> they do start the season by playing at Iowa, which is always a tough game. And then they also play at Penn State. So those are two tough games, and they're both earlier in the year. So they're going to, again, be, they're going to be tested pretty early. And Indiana, there's higher expectations for them heading into this season than normal. So there's also the how do they handle that, and can they back it up? Can they actually be as good as we expect? I, I, I'm curious to see that. I really am. And the key players that will be helping Michael Penix Jr. And this is why they, a part of why they have the potential is Ty Freifogel and Miles Marshall are just their stud wide receiver threats. And they they were working great with Penix Jr. last season again up until he got hurt. And I. I I think being back together and having that offensive line back, if, again, if their offensive line makes strides, having two great weapons with a great quarterback, again, that makes a lot. That can make a lot of things just, just really nice. And, and again, it just that offensive line is such a big if. If they could even be, real, just solid I think that would help out but again even that we'll see what they can do and here's the thing for them on offense and this is going to be a part of where you're going to see a trend that I uh, one of the trends I mentioned earlier as far as Iowa or I'm sorry not Iowa Indiana's EPA per pass play 0.081, which was 48th, and their EPA per run was minus 0.203, which ranked 112th. And then their play action percentage, 24.5% ranked 90th. Their screen percentage, 7.9% ranked 109th. Their deep percentage ranked 19.9%, which was 31st. And again, take advantage of certain tools that just help your offense execute and be more efficient. Just because, again, those screens, they're a great way of getting the ball out quickly. And they can go for big yardage as long as your blockers are doing their job. And play action is great because quarterbacks typically play 
much. I I don't know if I want to say much better, but their quarterbacks are performing better under play action and under standard tip standard pure dropbacks. And so again, why be against that? Why be against doing things to help your offense be more efficient and just have more tools to throw at the defense? And especially when you're a program like Indiana that doesn't have the recruiting the recruiting luxuries of an Ohio State, it makes sense to do more things to have more as much things in your tool chest as you can to attack the opponent and keep them guessing. I don't know why they wouldn't do that, but they should do those things to help out. And who knows, maybe if they throw in more screens and use more play action, maybe that'll even help their pass protection. We'll see. Now, Penn State. Penn State had a 4-5 and five season a year ago, and it's an interesting season because they lost their first five games of the season that won the final four. But they returned nine starters on offense, including their quarterback Sean Clifford and Jahan Dotson. That's a nice QB. Well, I don't know if I want to say nice because it's Sean Clifford at quarterback. But it's, uh, yeah, it's Jahan Dotson's nice and Clifford's an experienced quarterback. They do return three stars in the offensive line and five on defense. Um, I do like the idea of a full offseason with a, uh, uh, with that many starters on offense returning. I think it's very nice, nice to see just because... I mean, more practice time makes perfect, and if these guys already have experience starting out, starting, or have more experience playing, I mean, it's it's just nice to know that they already have that than guys who don't really have any experience. And for Penn State, that can hope that experience can hopefully translate into a better offense this season, as their offense, they were. Their EPA per pass play was 0.014, which ranked 65th, and EPA per run was minus 0.11176. So again, needs to get better on offense. And part of the way they can do that, their play action percentage, 28.5%, 70th in the country. Their screen percentage, 16.7%, tied 35th. And their deep percentage, 23.1% tie ninth. So they're throwing deep a lot, which is good. And their screen percentage is solid. But they need to get more play action in the mix. They need to do that. But at the same time, they are going to remain held back by Sean Clifford. And that's why they won't be a realistic threat to Ohio State. And for them... The schedule isn't as friend so friendly either. They host Wisconsin, or I'm sorry, not host. They play at Wisconsin, then they host Auburn. Those are two tough games right there, and they also play at Ohio State in the regular season. Three tough games right there. That yeah, I just I don't like Penn State's odds this season. They're they shouldn't be horrible, but I don't think they're going to be very good either. On to Wisconsin now. Wisconsin was 3-3 three and three last year, and they won the Dukes-Mayo Bowl against Wake Forest 42-28. to That was a very big victory for them just because 
again, they only were 3-3 three and three during the regular season. They wanted to end the season on a high note. And for them this season, they returned six starters on offense, including four on the offensive line, and they returned nine on defense. Bringing back nine on defense is a great thing. And the great thing about the six on offense they return is it's four offensive linemen, a quarterback, and their running back, I believe it was. Yeah, their running back. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, bringing back all those pieces is just very nice. It's a it's a, it's a thing that lets you know that as long as you make strides in the offseason, you really do have potential to make a run in Wisconsin. They're not they're not a stranger to Big 10 championship games and dueling with Ohio State. And Graham Mertz actually looks like, if he's a guy who can stay healthy, I think their offense has the potential to be closer to what it was with Russell Wilson than it has been in a very long time. And that's one thing Wisconsin needs is a real passing game. They're so reliant on the run, it's just, it's archaic. They need to change it up. And this season, they got a few big games. Notre Dame, they play in Chicago. Notre Dame, that note. I'm very interested to see how that game goes. That is going to be a game where Wisconsin can really prove itself. And we're going to have to see what they do when it comes to getting a challenge like that. And then they host Iowa in Northwestern. Northwestern won the Big Ten West last season. And Iowa's, again, they're always a tough out. But uh, I, th- I, th- I think Wisconsin, they're. Wisconsin, to me, is going to win the Big Ten West this year. I, I just think they're the best team. And I think I just think a lot of things are pieced in place for them to do very well. And when they're, I look at their PFF ranks, their ranks, uh, receivers 11th, offensive line 3rd, D-line 7th, and secondary 10th. I know the defensive line secondary ranks aren't very high, but... Again, they bring back nine starters. Maybe a full off season can lead to improvement. At least that's what you gotta hope for if you're Wisconsin. And then some things they could do offensively, just because these are archaic numbers I'm about to read off. Their play action percentage was twenty two point six percent, ninety sixth. Screen percentage twelve point nine percent, seventy second, and their deep percentage was eleven percent, a hundred twenty first, and that led to an EPA per pass play of minus zero point one nine one, which was a hundred twelfth, and an EPA per play uh, or per run of minus zero point zero two eight, which was fifty fifth. Wisconsin needs to get more creative and inventive offensively. And hopefully having Graham Mertz and being able to throw it more will help that. But we'll see. Wisconsin, they're they're very rude in that run game. Just that kind of strategy. And Iowa, as I've mentioned already, they were 6-2 a year ago. Bring back 5 on offense, 7 on defense, including Spencer Petras, their quarterback. However, he's not very accurate, and Iowa's not known for their passing game. They're another... It's very much about the run type of team. Their scoring defense from a year ago, 
16 points per game they gave up, which was 6th in the country. Their pass defense was 20- they gave up 206.1 yards per game, which ranked 34th. And on their run defense, they gave up 107.6 yards per game, which was 10th. And they bring back 7 guys from that unit. So this defense should be really good yet again. And that's what Iowa wants to do. Run the ball, play defense. And for Iowa, they host Indiana this year. They host Penn State. But they do play at Wisconsin. Getting to host Indiana and Penn State is huge for them, though. Because those are two games where if they were on the road, it's pretty it's it's losable for Indiana. Or Iowa, sorry. I I feel I feel good about Iowa winning those games. I think Iowa's the biggest threat to Wisconsin winning this division, very likely. But uh, they, they, their, uh, their PFF ranks uh, as far as position groups. Their receiving group ranks twelfth, which is awful. Their offensive line second. Their D line twelfth, and their secondary third. Having an offensive line and secondary are great, but they do need more. They do need that defensive line. The hope that defensive line plays at a much higher level. And as far as their uh, play action percentage from a year ago, 50.5%, which was 84th. Screen percentage, 11.8%, 81st. Deep percentage, 13.4%, 103rd. And their EPA per pass play was minus 0.111, 99th. EPA per run was minus 0.011, So, yeah, another team that could get used to get more creative and inventive offensively. It's, it's a theme in this conference. It really is. And, yeah, it's, yeah. And now I'm going to end this con- and, and end this conference preview by doing the next thing that I said the last thing that I said you'll notice is that's how much I enjoy talking shit about Jim Harbaugh and before I get into this I'd like to start with a very formal fuck Jim Harbaugh and it's it's just ridiculous what he's failed to accomplish since he's been the head coach at Michigan since 2015 this guy was supposed to be the guy to bring the program back and he hasn't. The thing he does best is have this team fail. Sh- the thing he does best is have this team fall short of its goals and expectations. That's what he does best. And somehow they gave him a contract extension. It's complete bullshit. And this team was two and four last year. <clears throat> two and four. And then get this: they need not one, not two. But three overtimes to beat fucking Rutgers. Rutgers. Come on. That should be an easy one. Rutgers is giving you a hard time? Holy shit. And then they lose at home to Michigan State, who had a first-year head coach in one of the most crazy off-seasons we had in quite possibly ever. And Michigan loses on their home turf. (laughs) What the hell? What the fuck? And their PFF ranks entering their season. The receiving group ranks 9th, offensive line 8th, defensive line 8th, and secondary 8th. 
yeah, that sounds about right. I I don't expect anything good from them. It's I mean they have Cade McNamara and Alan, Alan Bowman battling for QB, but with Jim Harbaugh and Josh Gaddis running this offense, I just don't see a way where they improve in a way that's that that's just needed. I just don't see it. And then when I look at their EPA per pass play. 0.047, 57th, and their EPA per run was minus 0.022, 50th. Their play action percentage, 24.5%, 89th. Screen percentage, 12.2%, 77th. And their deep percentage, 21.2%, 23rd. And they return 8 on offense, 9 on defense, with 5 on the OL, Make some changes, get more play action, get more screens in there, and hope that you you just made good development finally this offseason. Because that really has been the biggest issue for Harbaugh is player development. That was probably the biggest thing he needed to change, and he hasn't done it to the degree they need. And, yeah, it's... Yeah... Get more screens, get more play action, Michigan. It's it's a sad situation there. I, I can't stand it. They're going to have a bad year, and when I looked at their schedule, I saw they honestly are probably anywhere between four and six losses, and that's realistic. There's a lot of very irrational Michigan fans who would hear this and be freaking out right now, just, Oh my God, what the fuck did he say? But... But, uh, you know, you got to be realistic. And that's something from what I've talked talked to a lot of Michigan fans. They aren't about this team. And there's people who actually want Harbaugh still. And that's disgusting. It is. And, yeah. And that's what I got for the Big Ten preview. But, as always, check out our website, basementsportsandentertainment.com. And it is the word and spelt out, not the symbol. And on... Friday's show, I'm going to preview the Big 12. So 12, and that's going to be uh, at 6 o'clock, just like it has Monday and tonight. And um, yes, please give us feedback on our Twitter, at BasementSAE on Twitter. And yes, please just, if you if you like us, tell people you know. And just have a great night. <laughs>